Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Thank you, Lavelle. All right, welcome once again to C3 Online, wherever you are in this beautiful city or actually around the world. I actually think my parents are watching. I'm just going to say to them that, hey, I clocked it, I'm on TV, Alt got bra. Yeah, I'm just telling them that everyone in Sweden loves me and I'm a huge success over here. Kind of sad if they didn't watch, but anyway. All right, Caleb, welcome. If you're anything like your parents, you're already sitting with your notes, looking at the church, planning your first plant and everything. Welcome, it's amazing. So welcome to part three of this series on freedom. And I just want to say that even if you listen to it, go back and listen to part one where Justin preaches. Listen to part two when Ladeo preaches. I've been listening to both of them twice, and there's a lot of amazing things to get from it. So just go back, take the time, and just let us explore this thing as we explore this freedom that we could talk for months about. But let's just get it right into it. So let's get into it today. I'm going to look at a word to just to, that magnifies this amazing freedom that we have. Uh, I want to look at it and I look at the basics, look a little bit when Jesus spoke, what he said, what he meant. And then I'm going to, the second part of this message will be a little bit more practical. So how does this actually, how could I, how could this help me where I am right now? How could this become something that actually touches on my anxieties or my fears or whatever it is. So just kind of keep looking, keep being active in the comments. It's like, hey man, you can write that or, whoa, that was bad, you can write that. Or do whatever you want, just be active because that kind of, because everyone is in this together now and we're just encouraging each other. So, all right, let's go right to it. John 8, 36, that will be my main words today. So, this is Jesus speaking. So, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. This amazing word that so many of us love and so many of us treasure so highly. We're going to look a little bit at the context where Jesus spoke this word. and What that could mean also for us. So follow me. Jesus was in the midst of a dialogue with the Pharisees when he spoke this. And this is an interesting dialogue that you can read in John 8. That actually reveals a lot about who God is, what he did through Jesus. It reveals the deceit of the human nature. And there's a lot of things in this dialogue in John 8. So after the message, when you have time, go back and read it again. It's a discussion between Jesus and the religious leaders, the Pharisees, that in the letter of John is referred to as the Jews. And there's a discussion about Abraham and the concept of a biological or, or, or a spiritual father. And Jesus earlier stated to them that he is, I am here to do the will of the Father. And they get a strong reaction to that, the Pharisees. They were objecting strongly to his claims. 
and claim that they were the rightful ascendants, uh, ancestors through Abraham. And then Jesus makes a strong distinction about biological fatherhood and the spiritual one. So I'm actually going to go back and read it again a little bit, to zoom out a little bit and read a little bit more of the dialogue from John 8, 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How could you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. This is kind of a key today. A slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abram's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for me, for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, and so the discussion goes on there. I find it very interesting that Jesus tells them, if you listen to my teaching, if you stay in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And their reaction to that amazing statement from Jesus, their reaction is, it is not like, wow, that is wonderful, amazing. Tell, please tell us more about this freedom. No, that's not how they react to, that, to what Jesus says. Their reaction is a little bit more, hey, we don't need this. We already got this. We are good. We don't need this freedom. We don't need it. That's kind of their reaction to Jesus saying this. They're saying, basically saying, we don't need this. We're good. It's an irony in that as well as, as Jews being under bondage from nations like Egypt, uh, Philistines, Babylon, Persia, Syria, Rome. But they said, no, we don't need this freedom. I want you to remember that response from, from them that we don't need this. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Then Jesus has a, comes with an example. That's, we're going to go a little bit into that. He gives an example of a slave of the house in that time or you could call that a household servant or a bond servant, someone that lived in the house, was, was kind of part of the family, but still not, but serving in the house. And Jesus makes this point. He contrasts that of one who lives there, who is not part of the family, the rights of the family and everything. He contrasts that to the son of the house, to the son of the family that has all the rights that comes with being a son, who comes to belong to that household. He contrasts those two back and forth. The son in the house is guaranteed access to his father all the time. A household servant, a bond servant, can never be in the same position as a natural son of the house. If your connection to the family house, we're still speaking about this context, is that of a bond service servant, we could compare that today with not believing. 
you actually have no natural tie to the house. Your connection to the house is essentially uncertain and unsecure. But the son's relationship to the father is a natural one and is an essential one. It's a right. And keep in mind that we now as believers, where we sit around listening to this, we are adopted into the house as real sons and real daughters of, of the father. So th there's a point in when Jesus said, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. You are truly free in contrast to the false sense of freedom where they were like, we know this, we don't need this. But he actually makes that point really obvious. This is a difference. And the word free indeed could also just be translated with really free or actually free. Uh, so the son of the father, the creator, he comes in and he promised true, deep freedom once and for all. He himself as a son has access to everything. And he promises the same. Just an just a interesting thought in the story of the prodigal son. When the father, you know this story of the father is preparing for a party for the prodigal son to come home. And then the son that is already home kind of gets upset and says, hey, why do we spend all this party and all this food on, on the ones that left and come home? And then the father tells him, hey, you are my son. Everything I have is already yours. Everything in this household belongs to you. So why are you upset? Just a little, like, to, to think about what it actually means to be a son of the house, like you and me are. And we are in that freedom. We are adopted as sons and daughters. That is where we stay right now. No matter what you currently feel about that, what you currently struggle with, what you currently going through. You are a son and a daughter of the house when you accept Jesus as your savior. That's nothing that is back and forth. That is a fact. You have that right. You have that sense of freedom, that true sense of freedom, that you have everything in, in the house. Everything is in the Father is for you. Like Samuel, our son, he's five now. He is adopted from the amazing country of South Africa. Is there any South Africans out there? Yes. <laughs> I see you. Uh, the moment he got ours, we, we went to South Africa. And the judge in South Africa signed the paper. Like everything, he's legally adopted. That second, everything was his right. All the rights of being a son for me and to me in summer, everything was his. Full right, 100% our son. So when we were on the plane back to Sweden, he was sleeping. We were super nervous <laughs> what we were doing with this. He was our son 100% legally. There's nothing like half about it. That's what happened when you believe you are the son and the daughter of, of, of God. No matter what's going on. And that's a little bit the point Jesus makes that you, I give you the freedom of a son, the right of a son of the house. Everything is yours. Only Jesus could do that. He's done that for you and he will keep doing that. And I'm just going to read a couple of 
verses actually just to underline this before we get into next. So I'm just going to read this and you can just follow it. Galatians 4 starts out a little bit weird, but it will become better. Galatians 4. What am I saying? Is that, is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subjected to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principle of the world. And listen, but when the time has fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are long, no longer a slave, but you are a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. I want you to actually just receive that, that what it actually means that God made you a son and a daughter. He says that you are no longer a slave. And since you are his child, you are made an heir. You are free indeed. You have the rights of a son of the house. Let me read Colossians 1. 12 to 14. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, that was an amazing word, but that was Philippians. So I'm just, uh, read the Philippians. That's good. 1, 12 from the Colossians. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, who have, whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. I keep reminding me of that verse, that Jesus actually saved me from something, from a kingdom of darkness or for a kingdom without hope. He lifted me and he actually put me in a new kingdom, a new place where I'm actually a son of the house, where I have all the rights, all the grace, all the, the strength, all, have the forgiveness, everything. I keep reminding myself, I, I do this movement sometimes when I think because I'm no longer here. I'm actually here now. There's a huge difference about this. So, are you still with me? Are you still with me out there? All right. Joe, stop doing push-ups. Come to the sofa and listen. All right. When we talk about freedom, when we choose to speak about freedom, it's not just a great word. It's not just something that, ah, oh, that probably is inspiring or that sounds great. It's, it's a truth. It's a foundation of Jesus came to set us free. That's why he came. And it's a fact, it's our state, it's our right as children, we are free. And it's our position today, in the society today. As we live, as we have relationship, as we struggle with whatever comes our way, we are free. Because that is something that is already done at the cross. 
But even though we are saved, even though we have this, sometimes we might even get into that mindset of the Pharisees. Maybe. Like, okay, I know this, but I don't need this. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm not, I don't have anything that I need to be free for. That might happen. So actually, even though we have it, we kind of stop exploring it. We kind of stop, open up to it, and just kind of, yeah, I'm good. I've just read a great book on freedom, so I'm fine. We kind of stop, and we kind of not explore it. And this is something that gets me going a little bit. Like we in church, now I'm speaking to the church family and, and to the believers, we have this amazing truth that could just, it's just mind-blowing. The, the, the truth about grace, the truth about how loved we are, the truth about what Jesus did on the cross. It is so amazing. And the, tr- and the, and the fact, the freedom we speak about, it's so amazing. And it's true. Then why, why do we keep falling into the same pattern of sin? Why do we keep, we have this, it's amazing. Why do I keep falling into the same pattern again and again? Why do we lose our temper? Why aren't we just happy all the time? Because the truth are so amazing. I never lose my temper by speaking about you. Why do I lose my, oh, why do you lose your temper? Oops, Freudian slip. If we have this freedom, why do I get so overwhelmed sometimes? Why do we get overwhelmed by fear, by anxieties, by the feeling of helplessness? Even like the psalmist says, why my soul, are you so downcast within me? Uh, I don't have the answer to this. But as I've been praying for this Sunday, I just felt like God is, I just want to, you reminded me of a thing I will just show it to you I have props Pastor Susan would be really proud with me because she's the master of props I felt like God was reminding me of this uh, a magnifying glass and I will try to explain why a little bit because now we're talking about this is so great but why do I still uh, why does it overwhelm me let me just take, like, I think us as humans, we have a tendency to kind of back off a little bit when things are a little bit uncomfortable or when things get a little bit um, unpleasant, difficult to hear. Uh, and at my work as, I, as a psychiatric nurse and also work with, with therapy, a lot of people like you and me that are there say this, this thing that, a lot of those around me, when I speak about how I'm actually doing, I feel like people are quite quick to just come up with solutions. They're just kind of, uh, all right, but have you tried to exercise? Have you just, no, I don't think like that. Try to think like that instead. A lot of people say this, and, and they love the people, and they know that there is everything has been said in love, but it feels like a lot of people saying like, it's almost like people are a little bit uncomfortable in getting into what I'm talking about when I'm not doing so well. So it's easier for me to just say to people, yeah, everything is good. I don't know if you could understand what I mean by that. And anyway, if we go to the church, I think sometimes I think we have 
Sometimes. I think we have the same tendency, but we kind of mask it up in a little bit more religious language, maybe. And I'm going to try to explain, because we have this amazing universal truth. We know this. We can look up every Bible verse to anything. We can Google anything. You can Google anxiety and you can find a list of 73 verses that you should read every day if you have anxiety. And I would just get anxious just seeing the list sometimes. We do have all these answers. We have this freedom that is supposed to be true and deep to the core, to the core of who you are, beneath all the surfaces, all the layers. We have this. Jesus says, you are free indeed. At the same time, as a, I, as a believer, I decide for myself how open I actually want to be for God, before God. I, I decide if I'm willing to be vulnerable and, and naked in front of God with actually what's going on. If I want to be vulnerable in front of God or in front of my brothers and sisters with my shortcomings, I am, that's up to me. I decide that. I do have full access to the freedom, but it's also, do I want to kind of open up for it? And I'm going to, I'm just thinking about how we so easily kind of just quote. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little, uh, just keep coming with the things. I'm just, I'm going to do a little dialogue with myself on this. <laughs> so everything will become very clear for you. So this is just a something. This is just a simple example of how it might be when we speak to each other in church or at a fika or whatever you are as believers. So I'm going to focus a little bit about worrying, the tendency we all have to worry and to kind of ruminate. So I'm going to be me, and I have this. And when I take that off, I am another person. So this is quite it's a high-level thing going on, so you need to be focused now. Okay? This, all right. So I'm, this, let's say this is in church after the service, and I'm me. And, and I meet someone and say, hello. And the other person says, hey, how are you doing? And I'm saying... Well, I'm actually quite worried, to be honest, because I'm, uh, I'm worried about the economy right these days with everything that are so unsecure. My friend just says, oh, you should just trust God. You know, every resource in the world, everything is in God's hand. He has it covered. All the heaven's resources is Him. Just trust God. Amen. And I'm thinking... Wow, I know, <laughs> I know this. Uh, I know everything is in God's hand. I know that. I know that's true. I would just feel more stupid for saying this because obviously I know that God is in control. I know that He's everything. Uh, I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna read more. I'm just gonna pray a little bit more. And I felt stupid. So the next time I feel like this, I'm probably just gonna say, yeah, I'm a bit worried, but God is in control. Amen. I'm just gonna close it there. 
So worrying in itself, now I'm out of character, but you all see that, is a dreadful master. What if we change the conversation a little bit? Uh, the same conversation now, back into being me. Um, hey, I'm worried about my, my economy these days. The other person says, wow, that sounds hard. In what way are you worried? You know, it just, it just doesn't add up. And I, with my what's coming in and everything is uncertain and actually keeps me up at night. I just kind of lie awake thinking about my economy. And says, wow, that sounds actually quite terrible. What do you think about when you lie in bed? What is the thoughts that comes up, comes to your head? And then I can explain more to this person. I can explain, yeah, you know, and then I suddenly find myself speaking to this person about a little bit deeper things. I find like, you know, I am in control of <laughs> my finances and I feel like, what if I can't do this? What happened to my family? And what happens there in a conversation like that? That suddenly I speak to my friend who is a believer and the Holy Spirit is here. He's in me. He's in him. Suddenly, I put words into things that are a little bit why I actually worry. I get the chance to actually explain to that person, this troubles me. I'm thinking about this. So what happens, I think, in a conversation like that is that things comes to the surface. And the freedom we have, the grace we have, actually have a possibility to get a little bit deeper. Because God is in those conversations. And we could even... Just take 30 seconds and pray. And, you know, pray, God, help. Help this person. You know you know what he feels about this. You know what he thinks about. Help him. And we invite God into a deeper layer than if I would just say, like, whoa, everything is fine. I know God is great. Let's keep the lid on. We don't need this. We're good. This is a super simple explanation or example of how because the words we have us are true. The truth we have is amazing. But sometimes I think we could actually let them be a bigger part of us. In Philippians 4, 6 to 8. No, that's Lynn's verse. So if you're listening and Levi, you keep listening. You know, he says, do not be anxious about anything. It's so easy to throw that word to someone. Hey, do not worry. He says, it's, the Bible says you shouldn't be anxious. And then I feel, okay, I shouldn't be anxious. I probably, I should just believe more. I should just pray more. And, but it, the same word says, but present everything to God. Speak it out to God. Put it into words. Dig, it a, dig a little bit and see, like, this is actually what I'm worrying about. Do that. Sometimes a word like this could solve everything. I definitely believe that. And sometimes a prayer can just, everything falls into place. Sometimes it needs counseling. Sometimes you need to just sit and speak to someone to actually allow God to come a little bit deeper on why are this troubling me. Hey, you can even go to secular therapy. I think that. And Ladea said that last week, so that's true. Uh, so in, if, if you're in good therapy, someone would sit speak to you and you will kind of find the patterns. Where are my holdups? Where... Why do I keep thinking that? And God is in the room, no matter what. I've listened to a leader that said, 
hey, I've been in therapy, and it felt like Jesus was in the room, just helping me finding, even though if we didn't say in Jesus' name in the therapy. Like Justin says, it's a journey towards freedom. It's a journey towards wholeness. So that's why I mean with the magnifying glass, sometimes we could actually let him in a little bit so the freedom would be find its place. I was the one on this side when I got saved, and I think I said that to my family a lot, like, hey, you, should just, you shouldn't worry. It says so in the Bible. And they tried to explain to me that, yeah, that's true, but, but I just kind of kept hitting everyone with the Bible verse that you should not worry. I still believe in that, but I believe the process is different. It might take longer time. So, all right. I spent more time in the worrying. It could be like negativity that kind of takes our spot. And I've, I've I mentioned that before that I had, a, had uh, still have maybe, had a tendency to kind of go to the negative. You know, the, the grumbling part, like, ah, oh, why do I need to do this? And, ah, oh, typical, like, just go to the negative. And I know that I'm supposed to be super happy and supposed to be peaceful. Um, and I got challenged by someone to actually, why do you th think like that? What is, the po what is it you think? So then I had to kind of challenge myself, why do I feel like that? And then it, for me, it became like, okay, when I'm not in control, I feel frustrated. And if I complain a lot, I kind of feel like I'm in control again. Like, yeah. And then I dig deeper, and then it's all about like, okay, I am trying to solve all these problems. Not God. I've kind of put myself in the front. And just this is an example of a long, like, the more I got open with God, the more he actually got into those things. And the freedom, the true freedom, the free indeed part, become more a part of me becomes more a part of me because I opened up and he got in. Last week, Ladea mentioned, uh, she mentioned actually sexual gratification behind the computer screen. screen. Fancy way of saying porn. Uh, I'm just simple, ex simple uh, examples. There might be some, someone that struggles with that. And we speak about freedom, we speak about we know everything. You know, I shouldn't struggle with this. You know all the verses. You know how it feels to fall, and you know how it feels to be free again, to be forgiven, and then to go back to the same cycle. Also, like Ladea spoke about. We know all this. But what if you would actually sit with God or sit with a friend and just talk a little bit more about it to let the freedom you actually have Go a little bit deeper. Maybe you could talk about when do I look at this? When do I kind of do it? What time of day am I doing it? How do I feel before I start doing that? Or it could be something else. What do I get out of it? Is it actually that I need some comfort? I need a sense of love or nearness that I don't have? You know, this is just an example. Invite God into the what's actually going on if there is something that you feel you're not free in that gives God a completely new way of reaching you. Anger, just the last example. To be angry or just be like, ah, uh, that's angry, ah. Uh, 
that is often a secondary emotion. Like, it's not what's really going on, but it's easier to be angry. It's easier to get access to anger because you don't have to. It's, it's very easy to get hold of. You get angry. Often there's something behind it, like a primary emotion, and that would be, that could be sadness. That could be a sense of helplessness. Let's just say, like, if you're a dad, for example, you might feel like I'm not as good as my wife taking care of the kids or getting the kids ready. So you just, this is just, I just make this up out of the blue. Yeah. And you might actually feel like, wow, I'm not as good as her. I'm quite helpless. And then it's easier to just, come on, be ready, let's go. And just go to the anger part. But it's actually something else behind it. There's something else going on. What if you could invite God into that? What if you could actually, during prayer and, and during a conversation, a coffee, whatever, invite God into that layer? Now we're talking about real freedom and true freedom. God can handle this. We could, spo we could speak about bitterness, fear, spiritual tiredness or anxiety. The point that I want to make is we have this amazing freedom. We have that. I'm never... You can't be more free than we are. Jesus could, can't do more for, for us on the cross. We have this freedom. We have this right that is rightfully ours. Let us invite God to be part of what we actually go through. Let, it, let it invite him into the details. Let's not put on a perfect front and just kind of, I'm perfect, I'm good, I don't need this. And I, just as we go to end, maybe I should invite the band to come up. Like this series, we've been talking about freedom. We're talking about wholeness. We're talking about what keeps you from experiencing freedom. And we just want to highlight the amazing freedom we have in Christ. So then I just want to ask you as you watch this, and is there anything right now that steals your freedom, that kind of steals Nothing can steal your freedom, but it can steal your sense of freedom, your experience of the freedom that you have. Where would you right now need a deeper sense of something that is in the house of God? In your, because you're no longer here. You are here in the family of God. What do you need to experience more a deeper sense of? It could be love, grace, strength. All that comes with being adopted into the family. What steals your joy? What steals your freedom? What keeps you up at night and, and kind of keeps you going? Because you are free to a new life. You are free to a new purpose. You are free and you have a purpose. You have the Holy Spirit. You are free to serve. You are free to help others. You are free to impact the world where you are. Everything is yours. But what keeps you where do you need to, f to experience that freedom? And I just want to close by s like the Psalms in the Bible. This is something that my mom says, said to me when I was young. She said like, for every feeling you have, you will find something in the Psalms. That is something that has been stayed with me all the time actually. The Psalms teaches me how to approach God and how to pray when I don't understand what's going on or when I'm 
I love how we can see it in the Psalms. It's so authentic. It's so directly to God. If in the Psalms, you could hear like, I cry out to you, God. The enemy surrounds me. Where are you? I trust in you. You pull me out of deep waters. You fill my cup. I love you. Help, what's going on? It's like all this, and it's always directed to God. That teaches me that that is how I can come to God, my Father. Exactly what it is. So I know that for me, instead of buying another book on freedom, I might start praying a little bit like this. Just, God, where are you? This is what I'm going to. Come. It teaches me to approach God with what is going on on the inside. As I am free indeed, I am adopted into the kingdom. I have all rights as a son. I have full access to the house. I don't have to keep up a front of perfection for God or for you. Like the Pharisees, no, we don't need this. I don't want that approach. I want to experience the deep freedom that Jesus speaks about that belongs to me. So I'm challenging you and I'm challenging myself to actually, hey, let's actually dig into this deal. Let's invite it. Let's talk. Let's help each other like this. Let's help each other speak, listen, ask. So if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. And let's explore that together. Thank you very much.